Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction. Good evening, it is Business Unusual. I'm Annalisa Dube. And this evening, I'm going to be talking to the PPC Managing Director, Kelimoni Masiani, also known as KB. Thank you so much for making time to chat with us. Well, th- thank you very much for the invite. How we is how is Blau are you today? Oh, well, the weather is great here. Yeah. I mean, we got open skies. I like the last couple of days where uh-huh. it was all cloudy. Uh-huh. So we've got sunshine today. Right. So we are speaking to uh, KB via Zoom. So uh, just an FYI to our listeners, PPC actually stands for Pretoria Portland Cement and is the largest cement producer in the country. Now, I was reading your story and uh, I found it very fascinating that you first joined PPC around in the 19, uh, in the 1990s uh, when you were on attachment and then you rose up the ranks and now you are the managing director. Walk us through um, your journey and also just highlighting the importance of consistency. I really think my generation can learn one or two things from your story. Okay, no, thank you very much. Look, it's been a, it's been a long journey. I mean, we're talking roughly now 28 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my first contact with PPC actually started way back in 1993 um, when I was an attachment student uh, from NAST. Uh, at that time, I was uh, studying an honors degree in applied physics. So I was lucky to be retained by PPC after completion of uh, um, my degree at NAS. So I joined PPC initially as a trainee electrical engineer and obviously subsequently rose through the ranks, uh, became assistant electrical engineer, mm-hmm. systems engineer, production soup, production manager, and finally, uh, general manager for both uh, the Bulawayo and uh, the Kornenborn plants. Then I think, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. early 2016, that's when I was appointed managing director. And obviously, um, that was the first time that uh, PPC localized the role of uh, managing director. Yeah, so, so yeah, it's been an enjoyable uh, journey working with a fantastic team mm-hmm. uh, that I still enjoy uh, working with right up until now. Not to toot your own horn, but what do you think it was about you to stand out? Because, I mean, everyone who's studying a degree or a diploma with a polytechnic or with a university, when they go to work somewhere, they find attachment. But for you to be retained, you need to have, you know, some skills or some certain attitude towards work. What do you think it is about you that um, made it possible for you to actually stay there? Uh, look, um, when, I, when I joined uh, PPC as an attachment student back then, it was a period when they were commissioning uh, the new kill. So uh, it was a major upgrade from, you know, analog systems uh, to computerized systems. So uh, there was a lot during that time, quite a lot of, um, you know, commissioning engineers that came from Europe because uh, the kiln in Kornenborn is a policious design, which is a German-based um, uh, company. So I was fortunate to, to be assigned to one or two commissioning engineers. Obviously, I then became responsible as an attachment student for certain equipment in terms of, you know, uh, calibrations, diagnostics, and, and all that. So mm-hmm. when commissioning was over and the plant um, had been handed over to, to PPC, 
uh, I remained uh, as one of the guys that obviously, if say there was a plant problem, I would then get called out. So for me, it's all about, you know, attitude. So mm-hmm. when you are uh, an intent and uh, you are tasked to whatever business, I think if you've got the right attitude, because I tell you that time, I would get uh, called out sometimes even 1 a.m. in the morning, I would go to the plant. Uh, I was never paid for for overtime or call out and, and all that. But every week I continued going to the plant. So it's also about, you know, um, selling yourself to mm. the business, showing them the value that you bring to the table. So because of that and the commitment that I had, because obviously I also like the PPC culture mm-hmm. uh, back then. So I found that... Look, there was a match between what I believed in and how they were doing things. Uh, but I think it's more to do with the commitment that I, I, I did show back then when I, I was still a youngster. Right. I find that very interesting because in this day, there's so many TikToks and so many, you know, people going around saying, you know what, you need to do the bare minimum at work. Just do what you're paid for. Uh, don't even go the extra mile, you know. And it's very interesting that you, you bring that up because I think that in this time that we're living in, it's not something that is very common. It's not a trait that is common among um, this generation. So maybe let's move on to talk about PPC, right? I know every time people hear PPC, the first thing that comes to mind is the production of cement and cement byproducts. But that is not all you do, is it? Yeah, we, we do quite a lot. This is why you'll find that probably one of our slogans uh, says uh, uh, strength beyond. So what we essentially saying and sharing is that um, we're not only just interested in that transaction where uh, you give us money, we sell you cement. But for us, we are even more interested in terms of what happens beyond that transaction. So whether it's um, to do with technical assistance and so on and developing and taking those relationships to, to, to another level. So we view ourselves as a, you know, a solutions uh, a provider. And when we talk about our purpose, um, our purpose as PPC is to uh, enable people to experience a, a better life. Uh, so all those sort of transactions, whether it's through with the sales team or whether it's the engineering teams or site, everything is actually geared at, you know, taking that relationship is beyond selling a bag of cement, mm-hmm. but establishing true relationships at uh, that sort of like high level. And how has the company been performing? Look, um, this year, obviously, I mean, uh, I'm talking about the, the, our finan- current financial year, which starts in April uh, to March next year. It so happened that we, we, we planned, we had a planned um, shutdown uh, for, for our kiln uh, in, in, in Collingwood. It was a major shutdown where we're converting um, electrostatic precipitators to uh, a, a bag houses. Uh, basically, that's a, a dust trip. I'm sure if you've driven past Collingwood uh, previously, you would have seen two stakes emitting a lot of dust. But uh, since uh, the recent plant startup in May, we actually installed new uh, bag houses and you won't even see any speck of dust, you know, coming out of um, uh, those. So 
because it was a major shutdown, we were down for around about two months. Mm -hmm. um, it obviously affected our uh, capability in terms of uh, uh, supplying product into the market uh, at the normal or optimal levels. So we had to uh, scale down a bit. And uh, unfortunately, that sort of like created a bit of a gap in the market. Our volumes uh, tanked a bit. So if one then looks at um, uh, the first quarter, uh, which is April, May, June, um, yeah, we were in a very difficult situation. But since uh, startup of the plant, uh, uh, in terms of profitability and also volumes supplied into the market, we've seen quite a fantastic um, uh, increase. We are hopeful that now the second uh, half of the year, which is uh, starting uh, in October, uh, will be far much better compared to the first half. Mm -hmm. So we should be able to recover our volumes. I would say those are you. Some of the de hard decisions that you obviously have to make as a as a as a director to say if we do this, these are the repercussions, but it has a futuristic uh, benefit at the end of the day. Yes, that, that's correct. Obviously, the idea was to make sure that uh, the plant is actually ready or is positioned uh, for the expected increase. Normally, our peak. Uh, season starts from around about August, September there. That's when we start to sell high volumes into the market. So the idea was to do this uh, right early in the year where demand is slightly lower. So the, of, of course, like we're saying, it was to also improve on efficiencies for the plant, uh, which is what we did. And we can actually see the results of that investment. So we put in quite a lot of money for that shutdown. Mm -hmm. But uh, when the guys started up the plant, we've actually seen quite a lot of stability um, as we go deeper into the year. So yes, for me, when one looks back and thinks about that investment, it was the right decision to make. Mm -hmm. uh, you are now in, in different markets in the African region, right? You're in South Africa, Botswana. Which other markets are you in and how is that going? We we also in uh, in, in Rwanda. Uh, we also in the in the TRC. Um, but obviously, I mean the well. I think the positive news when one looks at uh, uh, Rwanda, Rwanda are performing quite well. Obviously, it's on the back of you know government investment in infrastructure. So we see our counterparts uh, are riding the wave of that sort of demand, uh, which uh, is obviously a result of uh, infrastructure. Uh, um, uh, sort of uh, investment. Uh, DRC, um, uh, again, uh, they, they, I think when one looks at their performance, is also great, but I would put Rwanda ahead of uh, even Zimbabwe as well, because I mean, their kiln is running very well. Why but is I that? I expect Zimbabwe to catch up. Mm. Um, obviously, they had their shutdown, they run on a different um, uh, financial uh, year, uh, different from us. And they managed to, to be able to do their major shutdown before the start of their financial year. Mm -hmm. So obviously now it means after that sort of investment, their plant is running quite well uh, compared to us. But uh, like I said, if you look at the second half for PPC Zimbabwe spilling over into the new year, we, we expect I mean, a, a great performance from, from the team as a result of uh, that maintenance uh, that we did. Any potential markets that you see yourself uh, looking into? 
Look, uh, based on our, you know, the plants that um, are located in Kwanda, Bulao and Arari, we've got adequate footprint in terms of the entire country. So we're able to reach all the four corners of Zimbabwe. Now, uh, in the past, we used to, to export into neighboring markets like into Botswana, into Zambia, uh, sometimes even into Mozambique and as far as, as Malawi. Um, if uh, one were to go back to say years like 2015 and all that, and we used to export over 100,000 tons. But right now, we are not able to export not even a ton of cement. And this is likely due to the fact that we are not competitive within the region, not just as PPC, but in general, if you, you were to look at the cost of production in Zimbabwe, and not just confined to spend industry, mm -hmm. but like right across, you look at power, our power is much more expensive. You look at even say like fuel, you look at diesel, um, uh, because we import diesel, but you tend to find that uh, countries like Zambia, when you go even deeper, uh, I mean, the alien local are just like Zimbabwe, but you find fuel slightly cheaper compared to Zimbabwe. So we've got um, higher input costs that then make us uh, uncompetitive within the region. And the other thing is because, I mean, using a US dollar base, um, if you remember just in the last couple of years, all the regional currencies, where they are talking about um, the kwacha, you're talking about the rand, they, they lost value against the US dollar. So these are some of, you know, like consequences of, you know, using the US dollar. Even in a situation, say, uh, when we dollarized in 2009, keeping US dollar prices still over time, it made us more expensive because of, you know, depreciation of all these regional currencies against the US dollar. So, yeah, but uh, we, we, we've got experience uh, supplying those sort of markets. So as soon as we manage, this is why we are doing all these sort of investments. Uh, some of them, while uh, may be coming from a decarbonization strategy that we've got, but they are also assisting in efficiencies and cost containment. So we are quite hopeful that uh, uh, coming into the next year, we should be able to start to see the business exporting into the neighboring markets, because by then in terms of you know, cost of production, we'll have managed to bring it down to some reasonable levels. Right. This is Business Unusual. I am Monalisa Dube. And this evening we are talking to the Managing Director at PPC, uh, Kelibone Masiani. And just before now, uh, you were explaining about some of the challenges you are facing generally as Zimbabwean manufacturers in penetrating into the, the African markets. How do you anticipate the uh, Continental Free Trade Area Agreement is going to assist in making sure that you're also competitive in those spaces? Look, I think the free trade area, I think the huge benefit that will come from that is, you know, introducing new markets. I mean, if you look at Africa as a whole, Africa has got a lot of potential. And what that will do is basically give us more markets, uh, Zimbabwe joining the rest of the African continent. But the challenge that I see personally, especially at this stage, like I said earlier, uh, in some instances, we are not that competitive uh, coming from a pricing point of view owing to this high cost of production. So I, I think, I don't believe that at this stage, uh, Zimbabwe is actually 
uh, ready, uh, you know, to fully, you know, adopt this. I think it is important that obviously we start off with uh, some protection of sorts and not permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, given certain timelines to say, okay, whether you are talking about duty on imported items, let's talk about, say, like cement. Because cement can lend here much cheaper than we can uh, make it uh, locally. And this is as a result of the, the high production costs that I mentioned earlier. So I think we need to adopt a phased approach um, because, like I said, we're also excited about the opening up of the uh, African continent. But I don't believe that Zimbabwe is 100% ready. Mm-hmm. We've got to adopt a phased strategy because what then might end up happening, we, we will turn the country into a supermarket where, whereby we, we bring in imported uh, uh, goods just for sale and kill that whole manufacturing uh, that, that we've been doing. So it, we, we are currently in contact uh, with industry, particularly the Ministry of Industry, uh, in terms of uh, our discussions, how we see this working. Uh, but it is exciting times ahead, mm-hmm. but I think it's rather too early for us to fully adopt. In, in certain industries, yes, we can, but it's got to be kind of like a phased approach. Otherwise, it will destroy local uh, industry uh, if we do it right away. So that's why we are, we, we are cautiously optimistic, but this is the sort of approach that would advocate for. I know you raised reservation, reservations in terms of Zimbabwe now being open to a lot of other imports, which might end up being cheaper, judging from what you were talking about earlier about uh, Zimbabwean costs, uh, production costs being generally higher than the rest of the you know African region. But does it not also allow you to e- export within those markets, which you uh, previously said uh, have become a bit difficult for you to reach? Um, the problem is that currently, as we speak, we are not price competitive in those markets. So, if I give you an example, we are able—I mean—to rail our cement into, say, like Zambia and Livingstone, which is not too far, which is quite close. But when it lands there, the pricing is such that we cannot compete with the local products that are there. Mm. So now, this is the reason why we cannot. Um, uh, sort of like export, uh, like I mentioned earlier. So the idea is obviously uh, to talk to government, increase obviously our efficiencies as well internally. Uh, We've done a lot of automation uh, in recent years, but I think the key thing is to say those major input costs, like I was talking about, you know, fuel, I mean, if you talk about electricity, energy in general, is quite high so it's really it really becomes so difficult for us to then compete so this is why i think there are some engagements we've seen as a part of report i can't remember whether it was done in 2016 uh it was done uh, uh for the ministry of industry and in that report that report contains recommendations in terms of you know what needs to be done i'll give you an example we, we've got um uh, cement plants in South Africa, uh, where, say, if you talk about railage and you are moving uh, a product, whether it's cement or clinker, over a distance like over 400 kilometers, but just moving clinker from 
Colombo to Ulawayo, which is about 150 kilometers, we pay at least two or three times more than what's happening in South Africa over 400 kilometers. So it is those sort of things where if we then obviously first upgrade the rail infrastructure because also there are challenges around it, mm. um, uh, and then make it more efficient, says that it's not just the the few businesses that are able to pay, pay, but what it then does is obviously it increases our cost of production. So there is the issue of rail, like right now as we speak, we've got a challenge supplying clinker to our Harare plant. So sometimes we run out of cement in Harare, not because uh, we are not able to make cement, but because we are failing to move clinker from uh, Bulawayo to Harare. Uh, we've, uh, we are in engagement with NRZ, but clearly they're struggling. So these are some of the areas I think where government can actually come in, just like what um, has been done for the road, say like the Bybridge Chirundu Road. Uh, we, we need to also move on to rail because we are moving a lot of clinger from Konemon to Blawai on road. And I've been looking at all these heavy vehicles on the roads. It, it starts to damage, you know, the road infrastructure. And right now, we are most likely to start doing that um, uh, on the Harare Lake as well, mm. to put road transport. But uh, that's not ideal. For us, you know, we handle bulky materials. We would like to use rail, uh, and, and that's the way to go. But unfortunately, currently, as we speak, we've got some, some challenges here. And how do all these issues then ultimately affect your accessibility or your generation of foreign currency Uh, because obviously judging from how we've been doing things in zimbabwe where every other business is relying on the auction system to get foreign currency you think that if you have access to other markets that are outside of zimbabwe a company is able to generate more foreign currency so how do these issues affect uh, the generation of foreign currency for for pbc uh, look, because of uh, a partially dollarized IC, I mean, in terms of the economy, the direction that we're taking, um, we're starting as PPC to see that uh, uh, a higher proportion of ourselves are actually in US dollars. This is the reason why we've been able, I think, from uh, the importation point of view, when one looks at uh, goods and services, to come and support our, our, our business. We've been self-sufficient. Uh, and I must say, as PPC, we've never been uh, to the auction market because we are able to generate uh, US dollars locally to sufficient um, sort of uh, levels. But the issues that I was talking about, whether it's power outages or you're talking about uh, the rail network, those uh, are really affecting us in terms of efficiencies and also even just the availability of product in the market. Like I said, sometimes we run out of product in Arari because we have failed to actually move our clinger from Bulawayo to Arari because of inefficiencies that Narazet um, um, is struggling with. So that's the challenge. So we're not really impacted in terms of foreign currency mm-hmm. generation locally. But I mean, if that changes as we go forward, though, I think the Minister of Finances has given us some assurance that maybe for the next few years, uh, this will continue uh, prevailing in terms of uh, you know their policies. 
So from that point of view, we, we, we're quite um, uh, stable. We're not affected by currency issues as we speak. This is Business Unusual. We'll take a quick break. Thereafter, we continue with our conversation. Stay with us. My station, your station. It's everybody's station. Z FM Stereo. Cross my heart, hope to die. The hits. You know. This is where hit music lives. Z. The hits live. I don't want to know. You are the one thing in my way. Staying you home, 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 and loving you so. You are the one thing in my way. Here. Thank you for staying with us here on ZFM Stereo. I am Mona Lisa Dube, and my guest this evening is the PPC Managing Direc- Director, Kelibone Masiane. And we were talking about a number of issues around business in Zimbabwe and how they have been handling business at PPC. Now, there's an issue that you keep referring to um, uh, so around uh, power outages. And this has been an issue for the past few years. And shortages have intensified in the past couple of weeks. And I know that earlier this week, Cabinet highlighted that this was top of their agenda during their discussions. Obviously, this affects business. I mean, it, it goes without saying. But to what extent? How? To what extent does it affect your flow of, of production? And how are you going around it, if you're going around it at all? Look, uh, in a cement plant, uh, the kiln is uh, the key piece of equipment or machinery. That's the heart of cement manufacturing. And normally with the kiln, you want to run it continuously, say for at least nine or so months without any interruptions. Um, so when it comes to power, I think I must stress that we've got a good relationship with the uh, uh, utility companies at ETTC. Uh, we are always in constant communication, but it so happens obviously uh, every time when the rain season starts, uh, that's when we get a lot of, you know, power dips and so on, and that then affects the stability of um, the plant um, because of these constant uh, interruptions. Uh, But we are actually working together with with the power utility. We are in discussions on a ring-fenced sort of like power solution uh, that has been made available to all the other major uh, consumers. And talking about power, we we also at an advanced stage in terms of you know, as far as solar is concerned. Uh, we we installing uh, two solar projects at a total cost of forty million US dollars. Uh, one will be down in Colombon and obviously other right in Lawai. So the idea is obviously to try and eliminate some of these um, quality issues on the on the power side, like you know power tips or even. Uh, straight um, power outages but again it's also going to be cheaper so obviously that then makes us be able to pass on those sort of like savings that we'll we will realize from this sort of project in Kolenborn we are talking about a 20 megawatt uh, power plant and then here in Bulawayo it will be a 10 megawatt plant so yeah we the, the kiln is very sensitive mm-hmm. uh, to the quality of power but i'm glad that i mean whenever 
we we request for a meeting with the power utility they are always available some issues they've been able to resolve and so on so i i i, I expect to see quite an improvement uh through the efforts from zesa but also in addition to the solar plants that we should be able to commission sometime next year because alternative uh, power i mean alternative energy is a way is the future right we can't run away from it it is the future and uh, you will be aware that uh, the spend industry is one of the major polluters when it comes to you know carbon emissions and, and, and things like that so we've just started on a journey uh, in terms of decarbonization where we have even senior executives um, in South Africa that are, are responsible for that and it's also driven from our local board and also the board of PPC limited uh, in South Africa so all these sort of like initiatives like the solar plants are meant uh, to reduce our carbon footprint mm. uh, as a cement manufacturer and uh, this is like top priority for us uh, that was actually going to be my my next question so to say that you know researchers have come up with a lot of stats to say you know cement emissions they contribute about 32% uh, towards climate warming in Africa etc and i know just now you've highlighted how um you have introduced solar as part of the ways of contributing to make sure that you reduce uh, these emissions in the atmosphere how else are you working to reduce the uh, the the carbon footprint as you as you say uh look there are quite a number of strategic um uh, initiatives that we are working on uh because of their very nature uh, i'm not in a position to divulge but what i can say is these initiatives will reduce uh, the amount of clinker that we will use uh, in making cement so uh, just without giving a lot of detail mm-hmm. we've got quite a number of uh, exciting uh, initiatives that uh, are on the horizon in addition to to solar uh, but obviously we will be making announcements uh, as we officially embark or start on the uh, in the coming year but yeah uh, we, we've got quite a lot we are cognizant of the impact of uh, cement uh, production especially on the environment so we are taking steps and uh, this is driven from board level i mean even when you are talking about um, uh, ESG and and everything else that's related to it so this is one of our goals to try and reduce our carbon footprint as PPC Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. Now, now the government has a target of constructing about 225,000 uh, housing units by 2025 and you are you know in the construction space how do you see this target is it feasible if it is uh, what is your contribution towards it as people that are in the cement sector um it, it is a very uh, feasible uh, sort of like target um because why i'm saying that is because of the installed capacity uh, cement installed capacity in zimbabwe Right now, uh, it's just around about 3 million tons, just over 3 million tons uh, per annum. And demand currently sits at about uh, uh, 1.6 million tons per annum. So you can see clearly from that perspective that we've got overcapacity. 
Um, but the sort of challenges, because people tend, tend to ask me to say, but why was there a sort of like shortage of cement uh, in the market? Mm. Uh, like I, I, I mentioned earlier about the two month shutdown that uh, we did in Collingbourne. You'll also recall that uh, Lafarge, our main competitor, had uh, an unfortunate uh, incident uh, whereupon the millhouse uh, building uh, fell down. So they were down for a couple of months. Obviously, if a major player like Lafarge is out of the market, uh, it, it will obviously tend to affect, you, you know, like supply in, into the market. And that's what happened. But uh, they've um, recovered from that. In actual fact, they, they, they also have a new mill that they've just commissioned. So ourselves together with Lafarge, uh, Sino in Guero and, and Life Touch in, uh, in Redcliffe, uh, we are able to more than supply the required quantities of cement. Uh, just the other day, we've been talking to um, uh, our business partners, uh, Tenal, uh, uh, four ways as well. Um, in terms of uh, coming up with the, uh, alternative technologies, in terms of you know uh, building um, you know uh, low-cost housing, or should I say affordable housing? So it's something that we're looking at. Uh, these newer technologies will allow like a house, you can complete it in a day. So we want to be able to engage government and roll out this sort of uh, initiative. Um, it's just a consortium of companies that has come together with obviously um, a, a, an objective of uh, assisting government when it comes to you know that housing backlog that you're talking about mm. so you are in a space where safety is always a concern right so as PPC how are you committing in making sure that uh, we you keep your employees safe and that you don't contribute to the increasing numbers of fatalities in factories in manufacturing in the workspace generally generally according to stats that we are hearing from the National Social Security Authority um, as PPC um, obviously we believe that uh, uh, and our philosophy is that we shouldn't uh, have blood in 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 our, in our cement, so that's the reason. So there is a high level commitment when it comes to safety, very, very uncompromising. But we do believe that leadership plays a key role uh, when it comes to safety, uh, and particularly uh, the concept around visible felt uh, leadership. It's got to be driven from the top, uh, and this is what we've done right from my office all the way down to plant level where we've got leaders uh, where they engage they interact uh, but they are playing a leading role in terms of you know all the concepts the philosophies around safety and you know just that general you know guidance uh, that, that is there so for us i mean it's really top priority but we are able to achieve what we've achieved um, uh, through uh, leadership, where leadership uh, takes it upon themselves. In actual fact, uh, just a few months, was it in October? So it must have been last month. Uh, all our three plants, Colombo, uh, Bulawayo, and Arare, uh, received some awards from NASA, uh, the, the local authority, when it comes to safety and, and all other related activities. So, yeah, it's something that we. We're really proud of. I mean, when we every time when we start off our meetings internally, uh, the first 
uh, issue that is discussed is on safety. You know, checking on everyone, even uh, people's health and, and that sort of thing. And also, especially when the team has been allocated jobs to uh, find out whether risk assessments have been done to say, well, what could be uh, at risk when we are doing this sort of activity and the team contributing. So yeah, it's really uh, one of those top, topmost uh, 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 discussions that we do have with the team on a daily basis. All right. So in terms of inclusion, how are you working to uh, in- include women and young people in the space that you work in? Because you are in a space that is predominantly male. So how are you making sure that you balance out uh, the gender equation? Okay, look, uh, as PPC Zim, uh, we're very serious about, you know, our commitments towards, you know, gender equality and inclusion. Um, we, we have targets that we've set for ourselves, which we will be communi- communicating later on, I mean, in the, in the new year. Uh, but this is obviously as part of, uh, you know, our ESG commitment uh, to the public. Uh, we track ourselves on these targets quarterly. Uh, and also our board has made a, like a deliberate commitment to ensure that uh, gender mainstreaming mindset is part of everything that we do. And the senior leaders in our organization also, our performance reviews are actually uh, linked to that. So you also find that even uh, we have one of the most diverse uh, board of directors in the country with almost equal representation of men and women on the board and also of diverse uh, nationalities. So we are committed to ensuring that the same is attained at all levels, you know, going right down to, to, to our plans uh, in Zim. All right. Uh, as we wrap up the conversation, uh, what are your projections in terms of maybe when you look at the Zimbabwean construction space, the cement sector, the manufacturing space, what are your projections uh, when you're considering all the, the budget pronouncements that have been made by the minister? Um, how do you see that space moving going forward? Look, obviously, coming from a GDP uh, sort of like point of view, which has been slightly revised downwards, but we see capacity utilization, especially in the manufacturing sector, uh, it actually improved uh, from uh, last year. Uh, This is obviously on the back of increased uh, local demand. We've also seen quite a number of manufacturing companies that we have uh, uh, business relationships with also undertaking some capital projects, you know, uh, in some instances, either to improve or sustain uh, capacity. So when we look, uh, I mean, our outlook, we just see uh, a positive sign in terms of current and projected uh, demand. And also the other issue is the stability, I think, on the currency side of things that we've witnessed in the last um, uh, couple of months, obviously, uh, it has helped, you know, companies to properly focus ahead and obviously try and make some uh, capital investment uh, commitments, uh, you know, for, for, for their businesses. So coming particularly to the construction sector, uh, as you are aware, it's been one of those big drivers uh, for growth, uh, especially for this year when you look at GDP. And um, obviously government also, I mean, just with discussing the budget, is estimating an enormous growth of around about 10.5% uh, 
I mean, when you're talking, uh, you know, construction sector. And for us, uh, I mean, this is really key and important because cement is really key when it comes to, you know, infrastructural sort of like uh, development, you know, talking about all these sort of uh, projects. So, yeah, we are incredibly excited uh, uh, by a government stance, especially when it comes to infrastructure investments and, and so on. So, yeah, we, in terms of our projections, uh, we see growth for this sector even right beyond 2025. Kelboni Masiani, Managing Director at PPC Zimbabwe. Appreciate your time uh, with us here on Business Unusual, sharing your insights, sharing the performance of PPC, and we do hope to catch up with you in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And that's all we had this evening mm-hmm. on Business Unusual. I am Mona Lisa Dube. Stay with us here on ZFM Stereo. Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction.